Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight on Primetime Politics, fallout from a bombshell allegation. We're going to follow the evidence and make sure uh, that the work is done to hold people... The Indian government in New Delhi is denying any involvement in the killing of a Canadian on Canadian soil. But here at home, Sikh and Muslim groups are demanding more action and more protection from foreign harassment. For decades, India has targeted Sikhs in Canada with espionage, disinformation and now murder. Coming up, we'll hear why the two communities are not surprised and believe the allegations to be true. We'll also speak with government house leader Karina Gould. This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Serapio. The Prime Minister says he is looking to India for cooperation, hoping to find the people behind the murder of Sikh community leader Harjit Singh Nijjar in Surrey, B.C. last June. Government of India needs to take this matter with the utmost seriousness. We are doing that. We are not uh, looking to um, provoke or escalate. We are simply laying out the facts as uh, we understand them and uh, we want to work with the government of India uh, to lay everything clear and to ensure uh, that there is proper process. Yesterday, Justin Trudeau told the House of Commons there are credible allegations that possibly link Niger's death to government agents of India. But when asked today whether that allegation will change Canada's relationship with the South Asian country, the Conservative leader said he's waiting to hear more before making that kind of assessment. I think we need to see more facts. Um, the Prime Minister hasn't provided any facts. Uh, he, uh, he provided a statement, um, and I will just emphasize that he, he didn't tell me any more in private than he told Canadians in public, so we want to see more information. But members of Canada's Sikh and Muslim community are not doubting the Prime Minister's words, saying in a news conference today what happened is not a surprise to them at all. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's announcement yesterday that agents of the government of India are suspected to have been involved in the assassination of Hardeep Singh Nijjar may have shocked many Canadians, but it was not a surprise to the Sikh community. For decades, India has targeted Sikhs in Canada with espionage, disinformation, and now murder. Well, joining us now are Balpreet Singh, legal counsel and spokesperson for the World Sikh Organization of Canada, and Stephen Brown, CEO of the National Council of Canadian Muslims. Uh, hello to both of you. Hello. How are you? Uh, Hello. Hi. You know, Mr. Singh, I'm going to ask you to start us off here because yesterday the Prime Minister spoke of credible evidence. Uh, today, you uh, yourself, excuse me, your organization did not couch your language. You, your organization clearly believes uh, New Delhi is responsible for the killing of, of Mr. Singh Najjar uh, in the Vancouver area. Why that lack of hesitation? Do you have evidence? So uh, this is actually based on decades of Indian interference in Canada uh, in the Sikh community. So for most Canadians, this was a shock to hear that India might be engaging in these sort of activities. But for Sikhs in Canada, this is not a surprise. So uh, when Mr. Nijjar was assassinated, uh, we knew exactly who's be behind it. There were indications well before that. Uh, as early as June 2022, uh, there were threats against his life. In fact, in the Indian media, uh, a 
a narrative was being formed that he might be targeted. And they claimed tongue-in-cheek, well, it might be a gang war. Uh, he might, you know, lose his life. And then uh, his death was actually preceded by two other targeted assassinations of six who supported Khalistan. And there were actually uh, social media accounts and others uh, in India who said, bad news for the Khalistanis, dropping like flies. Uh, bad news will likely be coming next from Canada. And all of us knew what that meant. Hardeep Singh Nijjar was wanted in India. There was a, a million rupee bounty on his head. And there was no doubt in his mind and the community's mind that he was an active target. So, so what do you say then to politicians like Pierre Polyev, who right now are asking to see more evidence? I think that there are active investigations that are ongoing. Not one, but I understand multiple investigations. And I think with time, uh, that evidence will be coming forward. Uh, but as, as we all know, when we're dealing with intelligence issues, uh, not everything can be brought before the public. But to have the Prime Minister of Canada make that sort of a statement in the House of Commons, we have to rest assured that there must be very strong evidence to uh, indicate that India was indeed involved. Okay, uh, Stephen, I'm going to bring you in now uh, because, you know, you were part of the news conference earlier today with the, the, the World Sikh Organization mm -hmm. here in Ottawa. And while the focus right now is very much on the Sikh community, in that news conference, you talked about Muslims here in Canada being targets as well. Uh, how many incidents are we talking about? Uh, just how common is this? It's difficult to say exactly how many incidents, but one thing that we can say is, especially for members of the Indian Muslim community, it's quite common for them to contact the National Council of Canadian Muslims, say that either they have received threatening messages, that their family members in India um, have received uh, threatening messages. Uh, we know several people personally that are very close to the National Council of Canadian Muslims um, that have been targeted by RSS-affiliated organizations in Canada, in the GTA. So when this happened, there was many people in the Muslim community who were quite concerned. What does this mean for my security? Uh, that, uh, that a prominent member, leader of the Sikh community, would be assassinated in broad daylight by a foreign government it's absolutely, it's absolutely despicable. And nobody in this country should worry about their safety when they're walking out of a place of worship. Okay, listen, I, I wanna to read to both of you right now. This is a statement from India's uh, Ministry for External Affairs. And in responding to what's happened here, this is what they say in part, quote, allegations of government of India's involvement in any act of violence in Canada are absurd and motivated. Similar allegations were made by the Canadian Prime Minister to our Prime Minister and were completely rejected. Such unsubstantiated allegations seek to shift the focus from Khalistani terrorists and extremists who have been provided shelter in Canada and continue to threaten India's sovereignty and territorial integrity. The inaction of the Canadian government on this matter has been a long-standing and continuing concern. Again, that's a statement from, from the Indian government, its, its external affairs department. How do you respond to that? And to be clear, Mr. Singh, I'm going to start here. Uh, to be clear, before his death, the Indian government did accuse Mr. Uh, Niger of being a terrorist. Yeah. So how India defines terrorism is very different uh, to what we see as terrorism and how we understand that term. Uh, India defines terrorism as anything that threatens its territorial integrity and unity. So someone talking about sovereignty, talking about Khalistan, is uh, heralded as a terrorist. Uh, there were accusations made against uh, Mr. Niger in 2016 that he was running a terrorist training camp in Hope, BC. 
there was a, a video posted in Indian, Indian media of uh, six at a firing range. Uh, the mayor of Hope actually had to come forward and say that the allegations were completely ludicrous. Now, if there was anything uh, criminal that Mr. Niger was involved with, uh, that information should have been passed on to the Canadian authorities and he would have been tried and uh, if guilty, he would have been convicted. But what he was guilty of was being the president of the largest Gurdwara in Canada and speaking from that stage about Khalistan. And he was very open about his support for Khalistan and he was encouraging people to vote in a Khalistan referendum. Uh, so the last time a referendum took place here in Canada, it was in, it was in Brampton. Over 100,000 Sikhs showed up to vote in support of Khalistan. India was very childish at that time. It demanded that that referendum not be allowed to happen. I mean, ignoring the fact that casting a vote is the definition of democracy. And then in response to Canada not stopping it, they actually issued a travel advisory against Canada, saying that Indian nationals are no longer safe. So fast forward to now, this summer. He was planning uh, a referendum vote in Surrey. That happened after he passed away just a couple weeks ago, in which 135,000 Sikhs once again turned up to support Khalistan. But India is not going to let that uh, go. They, any, they, per they persecute anyone that talks about Khalistan, and they call them a terrorist. So once again, this was not a surprise to us. Uh, they had actively said what they wanted to do, and they had a bounty on his head, and finally uh, they were successful. Listen, I'm quickly running out of time, and Stephen, I did want to get your reaction to the statement, but let me get to my next and last question here, and I'm going to give each one of you about 45 seconds, if you will. How should the Canadian government be responding to this? Beyond the statement being made in the House of Commons, what do you want the Canadian government to do to, to not only react to, to the, the harassment that the Sikh community is noting, but you're noting as well with, uh, in particular, Muslims from India here in Canada? Yes. Well, once again, I think it's important to remember that a Canadian citizen what we're talking about here is a Canadian citizen that was assassinated in the streets of our own country. And so this is an extremely serious matter and it needs to be dealt with with the utmost urgency. Number, we're asking for four things tangibly at the National Council of Canadian Muslims. Number one, uh, the immediate recalling of Canada's ambassador. Number two, we should start the process to expel India's ambassador to Canada. Number three, we should cease all discussions of trade negotiations with India and four, uh, in conjunction with the WSO, we're calling on the immediate banning of the RSS organization in Canada uh, and the expulsion of all of its agents from the country. Uh, you know, you can't do business with a country that is killing your citizens. Uh, we, need, we need to make sure that the Canadian government and all opposition parties are working together in a joint fashion to ensure the security and liberties of Canadian citizens. Yeah, Mr. Singh, last word to you. Uh, again, uh, quickly running out of time here. Yeah, we stand with the NCCM in those uh, requests. We believe that uh, Canada needs to do more to protect Canadian Sikhs who are currently under threat. Uh, there are a number of Sikhs that have been told that their lives are in danger. They've been told to leave their homes, not to be around their own children. And we believe that the diplomatic corps, so one diplomat was ejected yesterday, but the entire Indian diplomatic corps needs to be reviewed. We understand there are more uh, individuals who are potentially involved in espionage and in interference here in Canada, and they don't have a place here. They need to be sent back to India. Balpreet Singh, Stephen Brown, uh, thank you very much to both of you for the time. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Of course, there are many Canadians of Indian heritage, and right across the country, we've been hearing reaction to the statement shared by the Prime Minister yesterday. As for what's been said on Parliament Hill to the news, here is just a sampling of what we've heard.
My hearts go out to Hardeep's family uh, and our main focus is making sure that the, the family gets the justice um, that they deserve. And uh, from yesterday's message, I hope it also sends a very message of confidence and a strong message to all the communities who are potentially impacted by foreign interference that their government not only takes foreign interference extremely seriously, but this is something we've been on for a very long time. This is a time uh, that families who come from India, regardless of religion, are going to find it difficult. And so I would just ask us to be empathetic and unified at the same time. And I appeal for calm. Yesterday, the shocking allegation that a Canadian citizen was killed on Canadian soil by a foreign government has rocked our country. People fleeing, fleeing violence and persecution have always thought of Canada as a safe place, but now that sense of safety and security has been rocked. People are afraid for their lives. Joining us now is the government house leader, Karina Gould. She's also the Liberal MP for the riding of Burlington in Ontario. Ms. Gould, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Listen, uh, I appreciate you coming to the studio uh, here to talk about the government agenda, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I need to ask about India because obviously it's taking a lot of headlines right now. In particular, I want to get your reaction to what we, what we heard from the Conservative leader, Pierre Poilievre, because when asked whether or not the, the, the statement made by the Prime Minister yesterday would change Canada-India relations, he, he essentially says he needs more facts, he needs more information, what we got was a statement, not much detail. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, look, I mean, at this point, I think the Prime Minister has said what the Prime Minister is able to say. I mean, this is a very serious um, allegation um, you know that has been made and I think we need to take it very seriously um, you know I'm not sure how much more information can be shared at this point um, but what I think Canadians need to know is that this is something that the government is aware of uh, the Prime Minister has spoken uh, with his counterpart in India and some pretty serious responses have been taken now, uh, you know, of course, the, the beginning of the year, your government was very busy. Uh, you not the House leader at the time, but uh, still very busy deal, signing deals with the provinces on child care, on mm -hmm. health care. But all the attention was taken away from that because of the foreign interference story vis-a-vis -vis China. Are you worried right now, while your priorities going into the session is affordability as well as uh, uh, public safety, do you think that's going to be overshadowed by this India story? Well, this is a big story, but I think for Canadians, um, you know, for, for, well, for many Canadian communities, um, particularly diaspora communities, this is something that uh, is hitting very close to home for them. Um, and in some respects, it's, it's you know, a, um, a recognition of maybe things that they've been going through for, for a long time. Um, and so certainly I think that the most important thing to do right now is to appeal for calm and to reassure Canadians that the government is on top of this. Um, but when it comes to our government's agenda, I mean, we still remain very focused, particularly within the House of Commons, on advancing affordability um, measures that are going to help Canadians with the high cost of living, as well as um, when it comes to public safety. And, and I would say that, um, you know, foreign interference is certainly a very serious uh, topic. Um, when I was talking to Canadians, you know, outside of Ottawa, uh, affordability was top of mind and so even though that's something that we absolutely must and are responding to 
Um, what Canadians are most worried about right now is the high cost of living, making sure they can pay their mortgage, making sure they can pay their rent, uh, making sure they can feed their families with the high cost of groceries. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because, yeah. as I said, that's the agenda that you've clearly stated. But, you know, out of the gate, we heard again from Pierre Polyev and accused your government of essentially plagiarizing his message that he's been on all summer. What do you say to that? Are the Liberals late to the game when oh, it comes to affordability? Well, you know, I mean, this is so typical of Mr. Polyev, right? Like, he's off in the corner having a temper tantrum because we're doing good work. Um, but, you know, if, if we're, you know, pointing the facts on the table, I mean, since we've been elected in 2015, like, we've been focused on housing and affordability. I mean, we have the best record on poverty reduction of almost any government in Canadian history. I mean, close to 400,000 children lifted out of poverty, 2.7 million Canadians. Um, we launched the first ever national housing strategy in 2017, have built and refurbished of, you know, up to half a million units, found homes for 2 million Canadians. Uh, this is something that we've been on the whole time. I would say Mr. Polyev is quite late to the game. You know, when he was minister responsible for poverty reduction, he had a higher <laughs> unemployment rate and lower wages and stagnation on poverty levels, right? So, you know, I'm glad to see that all of a sudden he cares about the well-being of Canadians, although I'm not sure how honest that is. Well, you know, except that when you talk about yeah. housing, and I appreciate the fact that your, your government uh, since 2015 has been talking about mm -hmm. housing since the very uh, moment it was elected uh, into government. But we're also looking at a situation where housing is essentially double the cost of what it was. And for the vast majority of Canadians, it becomes harder and harder to buy a house. And for those who have a mortgage, harder and harder to pay for that mortgage. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, look, we understand that that's a challenge right now. And I mean, that's part of the reason why last week in London, the Prime Minister made the announcement with regards to eliminating the GST on uh, rental apartment buildings for, for new builds. Um, that's in addition to the work that we've done with, for example, the Rapid Housing Initiative or um, the Rental Construction Infrastructure Fund, you know, that have been fully subscribed and, and allocated. Um, so we recognize this is a challenge. It's been a challenge. We continue to put new measures in place, and I think Minister Fraser, who's the Minister for Housing, will have more to say in the coming weeks about how we can address this. Of course, rising interest rates have a real impact um, on Canadians and we're seeing that with mortgages right now. That's the Bank of Canada that makes those decisions trying to bring in, uh, to trying to rein in inflation. Um, you know, we've seen inflation reduce, slight increase today, um, but we want to continue to put measures forward that are really going to tackle the inflation challenges. Okay. So what measures can we look forward to? Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that your government makes the argument that you, you've created a national child care program. You, you have uh, begun a national dental care program. You're going to introduce legislation on a national pharmacare program. And while that will help a number of Canadians, it's not going to help every Canadian mm. because not every Canadian will qualify for that. Is there broader relief coming across the board for everyone right now? Well, so we did bring in the grocery rebate, which again helped targeted. eleven uh, targeted eleven million Canadians. I mean, we we do believe very strongly that we need to give help to those who need it most. Um, you know, it's we we don't want to be in a situation where if you know you give X amount of dollars to every Canadian, then you're you're adding to the inflationary pressures. Um, that's why having targeted relief is is really important because what happens then is um, those folks that receive that assistance they spend it on on needs right not on on extras and so it's important not to add to the inflationary pressure 
childcare is an incredible example um, of like just huge amounts of money that parents are saving. I mean, in Ontario, it could be almost $6,000 a year that parents are saving. So, you know, we've put real measures on the table and, and the, the really nice thing about childcare is that it doesn't put additional pressure on the housing market because those folks are, those families are generally already housed. Um, and it also contributes to economic growth. I mean, we saw between April 2022 and April 2023, over 100,000 women join the workforce in mm. Ontario. So, you know, these are real measures that are having a real impact. It doesn't mean there's not more to do and that we need to, you know, continue to look to see how we're going to support Canadians during a difficult economic time. But, you know, we've been there for Canadians and we're going to keep bringing forward measures that are going to make a difference. Okay, well, certainly Canadians are watching. And Ms. Gould, thank you very much for the time. Thanks for having me. Let's take a look now at some other stories making headlines today, beginning with Canada's annual inflation rate. It rose to 4% last month, up from 3.3% in July, this according to StatsCan. August is the second consecutive month inflation has risen, with the rate more than double the 2% target set by the Bank of Canada. StatsCan points to gas prices as a driver of the increase. They jumped 0.8% in August compared to a year ago. As for grocery prices, they rose at a slower annual pace, rising 6.9% from last August. The Conservative leader, Pierre Polyev, continuing to blame the Liberals for the current situation. Just inflation strikes again. The government made inflation that is the result of deficits and taxes on Canadians. And it's no longer just me saying it. Everyone has slowly but grudgingly come on to my point of view. To Unifor now as the union and the Ford Motor Company continue to negotiate after Unifor extended their strike deadline last night by another 24 hours. The union says they pushed back the deadline after receiving a substantive offer from Ford. Neither side will give details about what is on the table, but Unifor National President Lana Payne says pensions and wages are the key issues. And Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is expected to visit Canada on Friday following his engagements at the UN and in the US. Zelensky is set to address Parliament on Friday, this according to senior government officials. In his address to the UN General Assembly, Zelensky says Russia is weaponizing food and energy to put further pressure on Ukraine, adding Russia's actions pose a global threat. We must act united to defeat the aggressor and focus all our capabilities and energy on addressing these challenges. Zelensky spoke to Parliament via video conference back in March. Well, let's get back to our top story and bring into the program right now Peter McKay, former Conservative MP, and who from 2006 to 2007 served as Foreign Affairs Minister. Peter, thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Michael. Listen, I want to begin with your reaction to the Prime Minister sharing the news as he did in the House of Commons yesterday. He did not talk about conclusive evidence that uh, ties Mr. Najjar's death to agents of India. Instead, he, he talked about credible allegations of a potential link. Was it wise to say anything about the matter, if that's all he can say inside the House? Well, first of all, it was a very cautious and, and uh, guarded uh, wording that he used and the fact that he did it inside the house of commons is also somewhat curious uh, it was done 
clearly with calculation. The timing uh, at the beginning of the parliamentary session, uh, keeping in mind that he was in India and uh, in the presence of their prime minister, uh, Mr. Modi, just over a week ago, uh, came back and, and didn't say anything about it until this this time. So it, it is all very curious and stunning. I can tell you, I'm in Europe now, and I've heard from numerous colleagues here from different countries, uh, and people are still very much uh, trying to figure out what is going on and, and how uh, we could be in this unprecedented place as far as this announcement. Well, you know, India's uh, external affairs ministry, uh, it denies the allegation, as you know. It says Canada is, in fact, ignoring sick uh, terrorists and extremists within Canadian borders. What kind of weight should that statement be given, do you think? Well, firstly, the, the language that they use is, is also curious. They, they make a, a profound denial, calling it absurd, and then using the word motivated, uh, which is a very interesting characterization as to why Canada uh, has made this this particular announcement seems to ascribe some other uh, purpose, including a, a, as you pointed out, the words around how they haven't done enough as far as uh, guarding India's interests in Canada. And so there is a lot of uh, analysis going on now as to what this means for future Canada-India relations and what the impact will be on the actual investigation. Clearly, with the finger pointed right at the Indian government, it is going to be difficult to foresee cooperation that the Prime Minister is calling for. And back to the appropriateness of making this type of an announcement in the way that it did, uh, the government did, as far as the integrity of the investigation itself. Let's not forget, this is an open criminal murder investigation uh, of an audacious assassination alleged that took place in broad daylight in Canada. This is virtually unprecedented in our country's history. Mm -hmm. So how likely is it, as unprecedented as it is, as you, as you note, this, this seems on one level a pretty clear-cut murder case. Is it likely that individuals will be brought to justice? Very tough to say, Michael. It would appear that those involved um, disappeared. Uh, they may very well no longer be in the country. Uh, it may require the cooperation of other nation states, their justice systems, if an a, a extradition request were to be made. The, the one case that comes to mind in recent years was the murder of a journalist, a, 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 uh, a citizen um, in Turkey, allegedly by the Saudis. Uh, and, and you'll recall that that uh, very gruesome murder that, that happened um, was also, there was tremendous speculation about this being a state-sponsored assassination. But we are in, in really uncharted waters as far as our country's history is concerned in terms of how this investigation and how this uh, very uh, bizarre incident has played out and uh, so it, it's it's incredibly difficult and only speculation 
to try to guess at what we what will follow. I'm wondering uh, long term here, Peter, what do you think Canada should be doing at this point to respond to this case? If it is as they as the prime minister alleges, uh, these ties prove to be true that uh, uh, a Canadian national was killed by a foreign power on Canadian soil. How should Canada be responding to, to make sure this type of thing doesn't happen again? Well, it's, it is very troubling, and, and firstly, it, uh, it raises questions about what sort of protection is available, um, and, uh, you know, that's for vulnerable populations with inside our borders. We've seen in recent times, Michael, as you know, allegations of foreign interference, and in, in, in those instances, we were talking mainly about electoral interference or harassment of uh, former citizens of uh, of. Uh, Canada, for, former citizens of other countries now living in Canada. And so that, that is a separate issue, but it's an issue that is going to be probed and studied in an inquiry. And so I would add the circumstances of this particular incident to the list of uh, the study, the probe, the investigation, in addition to continuing to up our efforts of cooperation within the five eyes and countries for whom we share intelligence and, and work with to protect our citizens uh, writ large. And so that, that's really what it comes down to is giving our, our national security uh, and police agents the necessary support resources that they need to protect our citizens. Because this is, this is the beginning of this story, I suspect. It's going to unfold over time. It will evolve. And Canadians need to and, and must feel safe and protected by their government. Peter, really appreciate you taking the time this evening to be with us. Thank you for that. Thank you, Michael. And that is Peter McKay. And that is our program for this Tuesday evening. I'm Michael Serapio. For everyone here at CPAC, thank you for watching. Primetime Politics will be back tomorrow, but up next, Esther Bejin avec l'Essentiel. Have a good evening.